Mic check, one, two, one, two. Back again with another one. You know what I was thinking the other day? I'm going to stop putting numbers in this shit because we don't know when this is coming out and our numbers are going to get all fucked up. So this is just another episode of the podcast. Um, joined by my good friend Kevin. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be here. We got a topic today that you're passionate about. This was this was your topic that you presented. Um, you call it the Workout Wednesday Epidemic. So let's get into it. What is that? Okay. Define that for me. So, Workout Wednesday. I guess I asked a question. I was looking on the internet, flipping through Twitter, and it popped up. There's a thing. It's like, hey, you want abs? Do 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of that, 10 minutes of this. Fucking 30-minute abs? Yeah, you know, do you know, 35 time. crunches, 25 yeah, like, that's the secret it's 25 it's 25 it's not 24 and it's not 26 it's 25 25 is a magic number it seemed like with but all it the, has to be crunches it, crunches 100 percent 25 sh- sit-ups shredded you'll be yeah, shredded yeah. now i just was wondering kind of i well exactly why you don't do exactly what they do is they write down all their stuff send it out to you you pay them a tiny fee of and they'll send you even more of the secret stuff. That's amazing. Right? Man, I'm in the wrong business. You know, offering people quality (laughs) at a price that's fair is not the way to go about business. (laughs) I should just fucking write one program and charge you $300 for it, and you'll pay for it. Oh, man. Sickening. 30-minute abs. Yeah, it's fucking... It's a ridiculous thing. You know what I love about it? I love that the, the, it's always a nice Instagram picture, right? Oh, they post great. It. It's always centered in the picture. And then it's just... They have a hat full of exercises and a hat full of numbers. <laughs> and they just reach into hat one and they pull out fucking lunges. And they reach into hat two and they pull out 500 reps. And then they go back into hat one and they pull out fucking stairs. And they go back in and they pull out ten flights. And then they just do it. You just do that. There's no rest in between. There's no, no, no consideration you go for anything else. It's just do all this shit one after the other for I find weird that numbers. Also, it's almost like if you ain't ripped right now, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. way. It's what nothing you to do with them. Like, you did 26 <laughs> sit-ups, didn't you, motherfucker? It was 25, you cheating motherfucker. Like, it was like, you hit 25, you tried like, to shredded. shortcut the shortcut. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, it's crazy to me. And uh, I feel like it's everywhere. So it obviously must be working, oh, you know? Yeah, like, definitely. Well, let's define working. Is it making people rich? <laughs> yep. yep. It's working. It's working <laughs> like crazy. Is it helping people get healthier? Nope. Is that your definition of working? Then it's not fucking working. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. And it's, the ridiculous thing is they took my idea and they fucking made a mockery. Like the idea, like it's so simple, especially with younger athletes. Like my whole philosophy is just do some work. Like they always, they ask, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? I always, I go by a rule of, you know, with my younger athletes, is it 80% right? If it's 80% right, then yep, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Cause I just want you to get some work in. You know, but you can't just, I, I didn't mean like just throw some shit on the wall and see what <laughs> sticks. Like there's thought to it. Yes. You know, nobody's, nobody said just fucking do, do this for 500 times and let's see, you'll have abs probably. You know? <laughs> like, and I get this, it almost sides to this idea because it's never five or 10 crunches. Yeah. Like it's always more. Yeah. It's never quality. It's quantity. Yeah. Like 
Hey, can we can we talk about crunches for a minute? Can we talk about yeah, setups? Let's, let's get into can we get into this? Yeah, these motherfuckers. So this is this shout out to Dr. Stuart McGill for this, who's not a friend of mine and probably doesn't want to be associated with me <laughs> in any way. Um, but I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a brilliant guy. He's he's friends with Jeff to the point where Jeff just calls him Stu. He's always at Stu's cabin. I was like, you mean fucking Dr. McGill? <laughs> like Dr. Yeah? Stu McGill, you, Dr. That's who you mean? Like the world's leading expert on low back bow mechanics? Oh, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, so we have, um, your spine is capable of two things, flexion and extension. Well, it's capable of more, but like for the purpose of this, two things, flexion and extension, um, which is essentially just bending. And, uh, but the, the, the catch to that is that you have X number of flexion extension cycles in your spine. And when you use them up, they're gone. You don't get them back. Right. So, and then that number is different for everyone. For some people, it's 10,000 for some people, it's 10 million. And that's why we see people, you know, who, who deadlift world record weights with, with poor technique, poor positioning, but get away with it because they have this unlimited number of cycles or perceivably unlimited number of flexion extension cycles. Their back can just tolerate more. Um, and it's a, it's a case by case, uh, uh, thing, right? Not everybody, nobody has the same amount and there's no way of telling how many you have. It's just sort of, you find out when your back starts to hurt. Um, and, and the thing about sports is that we can't avoid those flexion extension cycles. It's going to happen. You know, yeah. you get in the bottom of a pile in football and get twisted up. Something's going to, you know what I mean? You're going to end up in those positions. My thing is let's not end up in those shitty positions in the gym. Let's not burn cycles in the gym, right? I think let's be strong in good position and that will translate to the shitty position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have let's be strong in good position, let's have as much capacity through the joints as we can and uh, let's let's hope for the best when that bad positioning does come. Hopefully you're strong enough to survive it. Um, if you're not, then you probably weren't going to survive it anyway. Mm, um, yeah. So, it's just but to get back to the specifics of of, of sit-ups and crunches and why we never do them in my gym. I want you to imagine for a second you took a credit card and you bent it back and forth and then let go. Um, it would come back and, and it would almost look normal. Do it again, you'd start to see a white line. Keep doing it, keep doing it. Eventually that, that card is just going to snap in half, right? Your spine is the same way, right? We can flex, extend, and nothing happens. And we can do it again and nothing happens. But over time, that line is going to start to develop. And then, boom, you're going to herniate a disc. You're going to have some type of, of uh, catastrophic acute injury to your back. And uh, it's, it's a brutal thing. So... Uh, things like crunches, sit-ups, leg raises, um, side bends, standing crunches. Yeah. What, what am I missing here? There's so many. There's All so pretty many. much everything that you see in a 20-minute ab workout Wednesday <laughs> like, fucking program is Literally bad for everything. your fucking back. You like, know what everyone that comes to the gym has in common when they first come and say, Oh, I have low back pain. And we're like, oh, what do you do for training? Oh, I do 100 sit-ups in the morning. Oh, that's the dumbest fucking thing you could do. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, I respect the fucking work ethic, but smarten up. Do something else. Plank or something, motherfucker. Like, goddamn. Okay, so that that was wicked. And the cool thing about this is that I now have a wicked question for you. Is Shoot. How the heck do you strengthen your core if I can't bend or lift anything or in a bendy, weird crunchy way with a ball in my side and I crunch around like why can't I do this here's, like, well here's let's not let's not misconstrue the fact because you can bend your but it is supposed course. to bend right um and it's not when I had first read Stuart McGill's book I had a back injury and that's why I read it uh, Jeff gave it to me um and then I sort of became like um 
hypersensitive to movement in my spine, if that makes sense. Like, I, your spine can't move at all, ever, <laughs> you know? And that, that's just as dangerous as, you know, repeatedly taking it through these flexion extension cycles, especially in a, when it's when you're under load. Um, but, as I said, we don't want to do the, the sit-ups and the, the crunches and shit. So what's the best way to strengthen the back? Um, I love heavy carries um, for, for more experienced, stronger athletes. Um, any type, like we'll, we do farmer's carries, suitcase carries, offset farmer's carries, um, overhead carries, uh, uh, zerker carries, keg carries, what else? Just heavy bag carries. Just pick some heavy shit up, carry it somewhere. The lighter it is, the further you go, the heavier it is, the shorter the distance kind of thing. Um, but that's the best training you can do for your trunk, right? Move your feet while you're braced and try to be athletic. And for the lower level athletes, um, things like planks are great, dead bugs. Um, what else could we do for them? Um, they could do, you know, lighter versions of carries. Um, we do like Copenhagen planks I like. There's a lot of different ways we kind of make it more challenging but still a neutral spine core exercise right like well we i like to take a foam roller have them stand perpendicular to a wall foam roller at about chest height and push into that foam roller try to crush it into the wall but obviously nothing is going to move but that builds insane rotational strength right just that isometric contraction you know you hold that for 30 seconds four times on each side kind of thing um so there, there's lots of ways that we can strengthen the trunk um, but one thing we want to keep in mind as well is the muscles of the trunk were never intended to move. They're intended to brace against movement. Um, so to, to train with a sit-up, to train your abs, to move your spine, you're, it, it's counterintuitive. That's not what we want to happen. When the abs switch on, we want them to, to protect the spine, not move it. Um, so it, it's just a fundamental, fundamentally wrong way of training, I think. So it's like we're looking at this completely wrong. You're looking at this like... Ding, ding, yeah. The way you, like, in your head, it's like... How else do you get abs other than doing the thing that makes your abs hurt? And the reality well, okay. of it is... Like, let's, let's talk about abs for a second, because we all fucking have abs. Yeah. You know, just but, because you have a six-pack doesn't mean you're strong. It just means your diet is good. Yeah. Or your genetics are good, you know. But it's not... The, the strongest men in the world don't have a six-pack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well... The current one does because Thor is a freak. But, <laughs> you know, usually they don't have a six pack. Usually they're not seven feet tall, four hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, six pack. That also is uh, unfair, but. but yeah, it's not like you like if you have abs at one hundred and ten pounds, then don't be fucking proud of your abs. You like you, you're just skinny. Yeah, you know, have, be two hundred pounds with abs, then you got abs. You yeah, know that takes. But it's not yeah, like don't. If you're healthy, you should be able to see your abs to some extent, um, but don't mistake someone with a six-pack for someone that, that's strong or functionally useful. They could just be skinny. Okay, good. That totally answered that question before I even got to it. So it's 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 kind of like we want to see them aesthetically. Yeah. It's like aesthetic says you want your abs, you want your chiseled chest yeah. and whatnot, but the reality of it is functionally. Listen, man, when the zombies rise up, who cares what you look like? Can you fight? <laughs> you know? How long can you fight? And... But it really, it comes like, look at all the aesthetics-based sports. So we, and there's, oh my God, is there a flood of them now? Oh, it's mind-numbing. But you got bodybuilding, you know, figure, bikini, fitness, blah, blah, blah. It's such a fucking, uh, that's a different podcast. Anyway, <laughs> all these aesthetic sports, have you ever seen any of these people that compete in these aesthetic sports on an athletic field? No. No, because they don't train like fucking athletes, right? So, yeah, you look pretty, but it is useless. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, 
It's and it's not like powerlifters take it to the other extreme, or at least we did in in my generation, in my era, yeah. where it was just get as big as you possibly can, so the gear fits as tight as it can, and then you know hope to squat down and you don't die in the bottom <laughs> of your squat kind of thing. Right. Equally as useless in sport, you know. Um, but I think incorporating that has a lot more carryover than incorporating aesthetics based training uh, for athletes. Okay, yeah, that's wicked. Because as an athlete, I was like, how does how does either one fit to you better yeah. was just answered by that and that's perfect because I feel like the everyone wants to do the other side of it I feel like everybody wants to be the aesthetic they assume that if they're shredded they look just cut chiseled and their back is stiff as a board straight up and down yeah. that that is the pinnacle of athleticism and I think even coaches get caught up in that too for sure yeah and it's like there's there's things to watching an athlete look beyond how they look you know what i mean um trying to think of a good example of a great athlete that didn't necessarily look like a great athlete tom brady Um, (laughs) Brady. but he's cerebral a lot of his game is just i mean a guy fuck tom brady if if you're listening (laughs) i know you're listening to i know tom um but like like a shaquille o'neal was not like a physically impressive yeah, guy that's to look a great at, one. But yeah. a fucking monster. You know what I mean? You didn't want to Strong. see Shaq. You still don't want to see Shaq in the paint. You don't ever want to see Shaq. <laughs> still, but, Shaq uh, Diesel will light you up at his age now. He is strong. Yeah. He may not look like your aesthetic type person. Like, if he was, he'd probably be about 20 pounds, 30 pounds lighter. Yeah. I don't think he carries an excessive amount of fat, but he's, you know, he's a big dude. Well, I mean, um, now, big dude. Yeah. I mean, like, big for him. <laughs> he's, he was always a big dude. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, he was playing basketball at, like, 300 pounds, which yeah. is unbelievable yeah. if you think about basketball players. But it, it doesn't need to look a certain way. You just need to be functionally, yeah. number one, able to move. And I think that's where aesthetics differs from athletes. Athleticism. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's not the thing about bodybuilding training is that you're if you know the line of pull of a muscle, if you know what a muscle does, then you can train like a bodybuilder. Yeah, that's the extent of the science behind the training. The science in bodybuilding is the nutrition side of things, and it's an incredibly complex science, and it's something that I don't claim to to know enough about that I offer it as a service. Um, I refer out for that for any nutrition stuff, um, but it's not like training like a bodybuilder is not a difficult thing to do you just your bicep fucking bends your arm so go grab a weight and bend your arm you know what i mean it's yeah it's really that simple you can pretend like you stick your pinky up and it does this and it's shut the fuck up (laughs) just train your bicep and shut the fuck up you know what i mean yeah nobody cares yeah um but yeah it's not and 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 like let's go back to the idea of coaches looking at aesthetics for athletes so it's not, like, uh, that is a tool that you have in evaluating an athlete is looking at them. Like, understand if you're an athlete, your body is your resume. Take it seriously. 100%. You know, because even, like, we, we were hard on Shaq talking about him, but, like, Shaq didn't look like a dumpy piece of shit with a shirt on. <laughs> no, sure. at all. He just probably didn't have a six-pack, yes. you know? But, uh, like, so what are some things you want to look for in an athlete? You want big hamstrings. You want a big ass, um, big, strong trunk, right, um, broad shoulders, thick neck. Stuff like that is a good indicator um, yeah. of an athlete, but also you got to make sure that they can put it together and move. You know, if you, it's great you got a thick neck, but you can't turn your head. 
exactly. If you, you have can't to turn your head, you're useless to us at tight end. You know what I mean? Like, you throw the ball in the back of your head when you're running nine. Like, we'll just have the bench scream at you. And you just turn around. Turn around turn the ball. Turn your whole body from you. your ankles. Don't stop. Turn around the slowest fucking spin ever. Yeah. Like it, so, I mean. So don't let the aesthetics be the only determining factor. Functionality seems to be probably way more important yeah, than the absolutely. aesthetics. And I think if you're looking at like physical attributes of an athlete, a big ass and big hamstrings is the most important. Like you got that, you probably have a good athlete. Yes. You know okay. I mean? So I mean, if, of all things, that's kind of where you would lean towards before you'd be your abs, your. Yeah. You know, your, your symmetry. No, I fuck about your symmetry, you <laughs> fucking nerds. Like, oh, it's my left body. You know the best way to fuck with a bodybuilder? I did this to a bodybuilder. I'm not going to, I won't name names. This bodybuilder comes into the office one day where I was working at the gym that I won't name. <laughs> and he's, this dude always just tried to get under my skin. I'm a powerlifter, he's a bodybuilder. I guess it's a natural rivalry. Um, but he'd always gunner my skin, but I'm intellectually superior, so I would win every time. <laughs> and the way that I would do it is I would tell him one calf looked bigger than the other calf. Or one time, it was the end of the night, I'm packing up to leave, and he comes in, and I'm like, hey, so-and-so. I'm like, oh, man, is it the off-season? Are you bulking right now? He's This man is 10 weeks out of a show. <laughs> I'm like, yo, are you bulking right now? I'm not shitting you. I fucking I go to my locker. I get my shit. I come out. He's on the treadmill. <laughs> That's so dark. That's so dark. This poor guy is psychologically like ready, and then all of a sudden you're like just a little like just little stop needle. talking shit to me, man. Why you you started it? You wanted to talk. I'm fine not talking to you. You wanted to talk to me. You know, I don't know. I like to fuck with bodybuilders. I fucked with powerlifters the same way. That's very true. Different, <laughs> different methods, but the same shit. Ew, you man. Know, I, that's that's fun for me messing with bodybuilders. <laughs> but let, hey, let's give bodybuilders some. So, what are some things athletes could learn from bodybuilders? Yes, because there are some things. I think bodybuilders have phenomenal discipline with their nutrition. I yes. think that athletes could learn a lot from that. I don't necessarily think that an athlete should be as strict as a bodybuilder is with their nutrition. Um, but they should be as consistent as, as dedicated to it. I think there should be more variance than what bodybuilders use, um, but the, the fact that they never leave the house without their meal is, is incredible, and that's something every athlete should strive for. You know, um, So there are redeeming qualities to bodybuilders, just not many, and just not enough that I want them in my gym. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're in here. If you're a bodybuilder, a different gym. I mean, do your thing. It's just... I mean, the chop shops down the road. I'm not hating. You know, do your do your thing. It's just, I don't want to deal with it. It's boring to me. I'm sorry. And I don't have mirrors at the gym, so it's not no, going to work for you anyway. It's not working out. Nah, no. I really need to see myself curl. <laughs> um, I guess we went over dang near everything to do with it, but I guess I wanted to get maybe a little more down to the nitty gritty uh, when it comes to um, functionality. What, what exactly... It, with functionality would you be looking for so you have a let's say you have the you know adonis athlete what happens if you have a guy who is you know a little bit shorter a little bit wider but can move so what exactly does that mean is is movement literally their, their ability to run or is it their ability to maybe uh touch their toes because then they wouldn't pull a hamstring you know what i mean is it like that is a very chicken and egg type question yeah right like <laughs> it's, um 
it, it all depends. And I fucking hate when that's the answer, but it almost is always the answer. It depends. I think that the physical build of an athlete tends to influence the sport that they play. Yes. Like, the reason that I chose powerlifting and not strongman is because the stone tables are taller than me, so I don't want to lift a 280-pound stone over my head to load it on a table. Yeah. So, fuck it. I'll go to the sport where they can lower the rack. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I was not blessed with height. Um, so, I like, that short, stout kid, like, is is functionality running not if he's a hockey player then he doesn't have to know how to run yes he we should teach him he should you know to be a better athlete but is running going to directly uh, correlate to hockey no um but should he be able to touch his toes maybe um i think it, it just depends on the sport it depends on the kid i think in terms of functionality we could we could make it a lot more simple we could make it a lot more basic we could take it right down to zach's um, FRA level that he does is functional range assessments. Do you have capacity of this joint? Yes or no? Actively, passively. Um, I think that's a great indicator of functionality. And I think just your ability to understand and express good position, right? I don't think we need to take it past that. Do you yeah. understand that, you know, external rotation and flexion is a stable position for the hip and the shoulder? And can you express that at the drop of a hat? Because the best athletes, the thing that makes JJ Watt JJ Watt is that he can express good position way faster than anyone else can yes. you know what i mean with way more power with way more violence you know he just he's he's just gifted with it mm -hmm. um any i mean he works hard too but he's gifted with it um i think that's more functionality than like say can they run because everyone i i'm trying to remember which was it desk bound where kelly story talked about every kid had perfect running technique until they got back from christmas break after grade one and then they were heel striking because they're sitting in desks for a year and a half, get short through the front of the hip, and they're wearing uh, sneakers with big cushioned heels on it, so they start heel striking when they're running. So like something like running technique probably isn't a good um, indicator of functionality in an athlete because so many are going to have flawed um, running technique. I mean, I think if in this day and age, if you have a kid that comes to your gym with perfect, flawless running technique, like, yeah, he's he or she is probably a good athlete. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but... We couldn't, you can't take an athlete and make him run a 10-yard sprint and say, well, that was shit, you're never going to make it. You know what I mean? Wes had pretty terrible running technique, too, when he first started. Yep. Um, so that that's not a great indicator. I think capacity of the joints at the, at the assessment level that Zach or a clinician would do is great. And I think just looking like our warm-up. Can you do our warm-up? Can you express positions in our warm-up, yes or no? Because yeah. that's about as functional as it gets. Okay. You know? So I guess I have a question, um, much the same as gyms that focus on GPP only, such as a CrossFit gym. How about a functionality gym, a gym where they maybe do like the weird baby crawls or animal movements yeah. type things? Like, mean, where's like functional, your thoughts on that? Functional training? Yeah. Like, bullshit. Yeah? It's bullshit. You're going to stand on a BOSU ball and do, or a BOSU ball and do fucking curls and... <laughs> no, I mean like... Yeah, not so much functional. that. <laughs> well, that's what functional training is if you're talking functional training. So, I mean, like, you know the gyms where uh, they, uh, you let's say they have weird ones where they put, like, a baby in the front of the room and the baby moves and they move oh, like a baby. Oh, you're talking that, like, DMS system. Or yes, yes. Like, I don't know shit about that. That's a clinician That's a, That's way, that's, okay, so that's almost. Jeff sent me some stuff on, yeah, you mimic, like, baby movements or something. I, yeah. Man, that shit sounds boring as hell. <laughs> Not interested. Not interested. Listen, if I can't listen to fucking NWA while I do it, I don't want to do it. Right? <laughs> and no mother is going to let me listen to NWA. With while, her I baby. Mimic, while I mimic her baby's movements. <laughs> 
<laughs> With my fucking head tattoo. <laughs> Nobody's letting me do that. <laughs> so I guess, like, uh, I guess I would slide over to, well, I guess, with functionality gyms, maybe just not something we would touch on. Um, I would move over to what would you do to make sure someone, like, because they, these gyms would suggest you should be able to express something that is maybe considered to be end range of motion and still be strong in it. Is that something you would agree with in their train of thought? Uh, I think it would be nice if you could, but you probably can't. It's, it's, uh, like, it's, that's something we have to develop. Yeah. Like, people, just because of modern humans, people don't have um, full expression of their joint, period, in any part of their body, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... How do we teach it? We, uh, our, our warm-up is great for that, for teaching movement. Just, like, everything teaches movement. That's all we do is movement. Everything is just movement-based. Yeah. Right? Like, we're never talking muscles. We're always talking movement. It's always push your hips back. It's always push yourself away from the bar. It's never squeeze your tricep. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Cool. And that's kind of cool. And maybe, maybe we should probably think about a show where we talk to someone who has one of these maybe i know someone yeah pull them in yeah so that would be a really cool topic and i guess keep that in the back burner (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so what do you what do you got going on right now music hip-hop books what are we what are we talking okay i finished i finished conscientious coaching if you are a coach of any sort you listen to this check that out I mean, it's something you may already know. It may be something that you were missing a little bit of. It may be something that helps you with an athlete you don't understand. He goes through every kind of... He gives, like, multiple types of archetypes of athletes he's dealt with. And he's saying, like, these aren't the only ones and they can cross over into multiple courts. But he gives a a breakdown of kind of each one. And then he goes to a coach that's dealt with someone who would personify as that. Yeah. And how it affected them as a coach and how it affected the athlete in dealing with them in yeah. the way that was the most helpful to them. And hopefully that can give you some insight. That was a super cool book. Check that out. Conscientious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Yeah. That's, I think, I, I, did I have the audio book? Do I have the book? I've read it. It's a good, it's a really good book. Yeah, I recommend it for sure. Um, one question that I got the other day, actually was uh, someone asked me about like the captions I put with the with the pics on Instagram, the hip-hop lyrics and stuff, yeah. and why I do that. Um, so I think, for me, I, I never know what to put under an Instagram picture. Like, it's either going to be a 20-page post, you know, to, <laughs> which is what Not I try to save for the podcast, because I'd rather say it than type it out. Yeah. Um, but I don't... Yeah, I don't really know what to put, but you kind of got to put something. So it just kind of clicked in my mind. Like, I'm, I'm this hip-hop addict. Like, all I do is just recite lyrics in my head all day. Um, so what I do is I look at a picture and I just put the first lyric that comes to mind, um, that is suitable for Instagram. Usually I have to do a few takes in my head. <laughs> like I can't put everything that comes into my head down, every lyric. Um, but I think like for me, it, it was a way to show, I think that, I think hip hop culture is the biggest culture in the world right now. I don't think any culture has more influence on what happens in our society. Um, I think hip hop is the biggest form of mu- of music in the world right now. And I think that it's it's misconstrued a lot and it's misrepresented um, 
for what it is. You try you a lot of people will try to point at one rapper and say that that's what hip hop is, that's what rap is, and you just can't do that. There's so many different types, there's so many different genres, there's so many, you know, it's such a broad category now. I think that for me hip hop got me through a lot of tough times. It motivates me as a business owner, it, it motivated me as an, as a powerlifter, as an athlete. Um and I kind of wanted to show that, you know, I wanted to show that side of hip hop that there is beauty in these words you know you kind of have to see how they're laid out and how they're structured and understand exactly what's being said um, but like it can be a positive thing and it can be you know a motivating thing and sometimes some lyrics I put up is it's just me talking shit some of it is meant to be motivational you know some of it's meant to be uh, um, kind of you know separating ourselves from the pack you know kind of talking ourselves up um, I think it just sort of encompasses what hip-hop culture is at its best you know, because all we ever really see is hip hop at its worst when we watch the news and shit. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, they were just asking how that came about and why why I do that. And I guess that's that's the reason. It's a lack of creativity on my part, but also <laughs> just it's sort of the skill that I had that Gary Vaynerchuk um, talks about, like monopolize your your skill set. You know what I mean? And it's something that I always joked about what a useless talent I have for remembering rap lyrics. But you know, I made it come in handy as a gym owner, oddly enough. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the story behind the uh, behind the lyrics. Um, so, as always, I appreciate you, Kevin, coming yeah. through, helping out, co-hosting. Once again, thank you for having me, and uh, we're getting good at this. Oh, we're too good at this. <laughs> Watch out, Joe Rogan. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> don't, don't fight me, Joe. <laughs> like, you can fight for real. I'm sorry, Joe. Bye.